love the game of shoots and ladders. Do we have any shoots and ladders fans here today? You just raise your hand. Anybody like one person, like likes two people? Okay, good. You know, shoots and ladders is a great game because it takes it takes no no skill or intellectual capacity. There's no strategy. All you do with shoots and ladders is you you, you got to get lucky. Uh, and there's no strategy. I knew it was my game when on the side of the box it said for ages five to seven. I was like, that's my game right there. But shoots and ladders is a great game. There's a hundred a hundred different spots on the board, and the goal is to get from one to a hundred, and if you land on a spot with a ladder, you get to advance, you get to like move up. You could go from number 28 to number 84 in one turn. How about that? But if you get a shoot, if you land on number 87, you might be in first place. You may be wiping out the opponents, but you could go from number 87 to number 24 all at once. And there's a lot of high highs and there's a lot of low lows in the game of shoots and ladders. Today we're talking about the goodness of God and I think that our life is a lot like the game of shoots and ladders because there's a lot of ups and there's a lot of downs. And the question today is, is, is God good when life is tough? Can God be good when times are hard? We love to say, oh, God is so good. We'd love to say that when everything's up and to the right, when we get the promotion, when we make the sale, when our kids are doing well in school. God is so good. But if that's the criteria by which we judge God's goodness, is God good when we lose our job? Is God good when we get a bad report from the doctor? Is God good when things aren't going according to the plan? I think the psalmist, King David, addresses this question. And he comes to the conclusion that the goodness of God is not circumstantial. The goodness of God is based on God's nature and God's character. So God is good because God is always with us. God is good because he doesn't abandon us. God is good because he is always faithful. God is good because he doesn't flip, flop, or think out on us in a time of crisis. We can always count on God. And so the reason that we say God is good is because God is always with us. And God is with us in the good times when we're climbing the ladders. And he's with us in the times where we're unfortunately sliding down those chutes going to unforeseen places. Last week we, we talked a, a little bit about Psalm 27. And King David, the second king of Israel, wrote the words of Psalm 27. And he writes about the goodness of God. But it's interesting because King David had a really hard life. Sometimes we think, oh, he was a king. Everything went great for him. Read the Bible. Read the story of King David. Just to give you a few examples, King David had a crazy life. Not only was he attacked by all of the surrounding nations, he was always in war because people are always trying to kill him. When he was a boy, his family dismissed him because he was the youngest. And when he goes onto the field of battle to defeat Goliath, his older brother's putting him down. 
So nobody thinks that he's going to amount to anything. Uh, when David gets a little older, he works in the household of Saul. He works for the, his predecessor, the king of Israel, Saul. And Saul gets jealous of him, tries to kill him. <clears throat> and he was always sending him into battle that um, Saul thought would overwhelm him. And then it would wipe him out. But then David would always win. It's kind of crazy. He told him, if you'll kill a hundred Philistines, you can have my oldest daughter's hand in marriage. David kills 200 Philistines. And he says, you know what? I actually don't want to give you my, my oldest hot daughter. I want to give you the little, little sister. And I'm going to make you marry her. So he marries the little sister who's very infatuated with David. And then later on, Saul takes his daughter back and gives her to another man. Now, does that sound like Jerry Springer or what? I mean, that's crazy. David, one of his sons, Absalom, tries to steal his throne. He, he, he amasses an army of 20,000 people, forces David out of the city of Jerusalem. This is his own flesh and blood. And David barely, by the skin of his teeth, escapes and is able to recapture uh, his kingdom. Uh, one of his sons raped one of his daughters, and then two years later, the other brother murdered the brother that was the raper. It was crazy. Okay, that's the life of King David. But with all of that in mind, David came to the conclusion that God is good. How can we believe that God is good when times are hard? Look, look with me, if you would, in Psalm 27, 13. I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for and confidently expect the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait and confidently expect the Lord. And notice that, that first phrase there, I would have despaired had I not believed I would see the goodness of God. Um, a great way to get discouraged is to not believe that God is good. That's a recipe for discouragement and depression. He says, you know what, I would have given up. If I didn't believe that God was good, if I didn't believe God was faithful, if I didn't believe that God was with me, I, I would have given up a long time ago. I would have despaired, he says. I would have despaired had I not believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord. And he says, in the land of the living. Sometimes we read passages like that and we think, well, that's talking about eternity in heaven. And sometimes that is the case. But I love that he says here, in the land of the living. In other words, this side of eternity, like here on earth... We can experience the goodness of God. We don't, we don't have to wait till we go to heaven. We, we can experience God's goodness right here and now. He says, in the land of the living. But listen, the devil wants you to lose heart. He wants you to be discouraged. He wants you to, to grow weary in whatever you're facing. So again, how can we be filled with the goodness of God? And um, he says here, number one, I will look. I will look for the goodness of God. You ought to write that down on your outline. I will look for the goodness of God. I, I got to be looking for God's goodness because if I'm not looking for the goodness of God, it's a lot easier to see everything that is not good. 
And so sometimes you have to look around. Sometimes you got to move the curtains. you got to dig a little bit to find the goodness of God because there's so many voices that are, that are screaming and shouting at our lives that are saying otherwise. But he says, I would have despaired had I not believed that the, I would see the, the goodness of the Lord. And then in Psalm 100 verse 5, a similar verse, for the Lord is always good, he's always loving and kind, and his faithfulness goes on and on to each succeeding generation. Now, Psalm 100 echoes what Psalm 27 is saying. It says the Lord is always good. I mean, it doesn't say the Lord is sometimes good, but the Lord is always good, and he's good throughout future generations. In other words, God continues to do what he has always done, but he says here he is always loving and kind and faithful. Again, that's the nature of God. Why, why do we say God is good? Because God's character is good. Not because my stuff is always going the way that it's supposed to. Not because I'm not going through difficult times or hardship, but because of God's nature. What is God's nature? Well, in Psalm 100, he's loving, he's kind, and he's faithful, and he's many other things in addition to that, but, but certainly that gets us started. So God is good no matter what's going on in our life. The atheist believes that everything that happens in life is by chance or by self, but David saw the hand of God in his life. And the result was he was encouraged. He didn't despair. He went through massive heartache, tremendous adversity. How can you be positive? How can you be optimistic when your kids are crazy and people are trying to kill you and, and there's massive adversity? How is that possible? His eyes were on the Lord. His eyes were on the Lord. He believed in the goodness of God. I, I believe this today. Your faith is going to be enriched. You're going to be strengthened. You're going to be empowered today. As you keep thinking about the goodness of God, God is always with me. Man, things are tough, but I know the Lord is here. And I know the Lord's going to make a way. And I know the Lord is faithful. And, and I know the Lord answers prayer. And I know that, that, that God can do things that I cannot and, and we remind ourselves of those things, and it helps us focus our mind on the goodness of God, but I have to look for it. Now, i got to look for it because I, I can see the goodness of God through prayer. And in verse 7, he says, Lord, hear my voice when I call and be gracious to me and answer me. My heart says this about you, seek his face. Lord, I will seek your face. So David has a spiritual instinct. And he's like, you know, okay, I got a problem. I don't know what to do. Okay, what should I do? Oh, my instinct is I'm going to seek the heart of God. I'm going to seek the face of God. I'm going to pray. Okay, I'm going to pray, Lord. Sometimes we need to have those spiritual instincts, don't we? We need to, like, condition ourselves. When things are difficult, when, we, when things are uncertain, what do I do? I need prayer. Prayer should be the first response to bad news. Before you call somebody else, you ought to call God. Before you lose your mind, you ought to pray. So, so David says, listen, I, 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 the Lord will hear my voice, and he is gracious, and he will answer me. And so he, he says prayer is a big part of seeing the goodness of God. 
Uh, Do you and I pray expectantly? Do we believe that God hears us when we call him? Now, David's like, man, the Lord's going to answer. He is optimistic. He is hopeful. He is is looking forward to what's going to happen. But 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 he 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 has to have a little a little spiritual instinct there. Uh, what do I do? Well, my heart says I ought to talk to God. Okay, what does your heart say when things are hard? And he says I, that, that that I will seek His face. See, sometimes we want to seek the hand of God, not the face of God. The face of God is God's. Uh, it, it, it describes being intimate and personal with God. So, so he says, I want to seek the face of God. I, I, don't, I don't just want the hand of God. Sometimes we pray just because we want God to do something. But really, prayer should be getting to know God more than anything else. And, and, and so sometimes we have to look at our life and we have to say, do, you know, am I maybe coming to church? Am I reading the Bible just because I need God to do me a favor or because I really want to know God? David's power was because he really wanted to seek the the face of God. He wanted to know God. He wanted to be intimate with God. He wanted to be close to God. Sometimes I see people come to church and they're here every time the doors are open when they're going through a divorce. Man, they're here every, every Sunday, every Bible study, every group, every whatever. And then they kind of get through that. And then we don't see them again. <laughs> Or sometimes people lose their job. Every week they put on their connection card, Pastor, pray for me, I I don't have a job. They find a job, see ya. (laughs) You have to ask, do we just want the hand of God or do we want to seek his face? If we want to see the goodness of God, We have to see God as our heavenly father, someone we're connected to, not just Santa Claus, not just uh, the giver of gifts or some omnipotent force who can bestow blessings upon us. He says, I'll see the goodness of God through prayer. But look at this. He also says, I will see the goodness of God through pain. I'll see the goodness of God through pain. In verse 10, he says, even if my father... And mother abandoned me. The Lord cares for me. Are you kidding me? In other words, when I get stabbed by the people that are supposed to be the most loving and the most nurturing, God is still there. God's still with me. Now, I love that he throws this in there because... because the father and the mother relationship is, is the most sacred and the most intimate. And, and he says, you know, sometimes, sometimes people don't do what's right. Sometimes, sometimes our family can, can hurt us. We expect our enemies to come against us, but, but our own family? Family conflict hurts the worst, doesn't it? Is there anything worse than fighting with family? Conflict, husbands and wives and children and parents and in-laws. and Man, it can be nasty. It can be painful. But David said, out of that, the Lord cares for me. In other words, people let me down, but God is always faithful. And God is a father to the fatherless. 
Because of my adversaries, show me your way, Lord, and lead me on a level path. In other words, I can't count on my family, but Lord, I can count on you. I've been abused or I've been neglected. I've been disappointed and hurt, but God, you've never let me down. And, and, and David, again, finds himself encouraged. He's encouraged. He sees the goodness of God. When, 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 when God is not, when the belief that God is not good is a part of your core belief system, then your prayer life changes. Uh, you, what you say changes. Uh, the way you feel changes. You feel more up and down. When we don't believe God is good, we can sometimes even sabotage ourselves. We say things like, well, this is a great opportunity, but it won't last long. I mean, that was great for a while, but I, I don't expect that to continue on. We can sabotage some of God's greatest blessings. But this passage really about the father and the mother has meant so much to me. I was... My, my parents divorced when I was a senior in high school. My dad kind of flew the coop, abandoned my brother and I, my mom. I have loved Psalm 27 so much because of that. And it's been a great reminder to me over all these years that God is a father that will never let us down. God is still good. God is still good. People suck, but God is good. Okay. <laughs> All right, can somebody write that? Somebody tweet that, amen? See, that's in the Bible. You didn't even know that. That's what David's saying. He's saying, man, people hurt us. People let us down. God's so faithful. God's so good. You know, if you've been hurt by family, you have a new opportunity to experience the love and the power of God in a way that some people may not ever. So it's a great privilege. It really is. Um, now, he talks about his enemies. He talks about his family. And then he contrasts that with his enemies. Look at this in verse 11. Because of my adversaries, show me your way, Lord, and lead me on a level path. Do not give me over to the will of my foes, for false witnesses rise up against me and breathe violence. Okay? I mean, Dave, David's got some problems. We don't know specifically what was going on. At the time of the writing of Psalm 27, we just know that David dealt with a lot of problems, okay? And here he's talking about people that want to kill him. You thought you had some problems, okay? Now, people are trying to take his life. And, and he says, you know, I'm going to see the goodness of God in the land of the living. But in the meantime, I got some bad people that are coming after me. And he says, Lord, would you level the path? In other words, I'm tired of climbing uphill. Um, but people can't stop God's goodness. See, your family can't stop the goodness of God, and your enemies cannot stop the goodness of God. People cannot stop it because it's from Him. And when you believe that, listen, it empowers and it emboldens your life. It's a wonderful thing, powerful. Because of my adversaries, Show me your way, Lord, and lead me on a level path. Do not give me over to the will of my foes. Lord, you're still with me. And then he says in verse 13, I am certain I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. David is talking to himself. Now, I love verse 13 because I'll, I'm a, I like to talk to myself. I will admit that. I have some great conversations. I'm a great conversationalist. Does anybody here like to talk to themselves? Anybody? 
Like, I'll be getting ready in the morning, and sometimes Gina will walk in the bathroom, and she'll be like, who are you talking to? And I was like, oh, I was just talking to me, myself, and I. We were having a great time in here before you interrupted us, you know? It was great. Sometimes you need to talk to yourself. Okay, we need to talk to God. Sometimes we need to talk to ourselves. David says this, I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness. Let me just remind myself, because I almost forgot it because my enemies were coming after me and my family disappointed me and it's really hard. Oh, oh, you know what? I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord. Oh, I feel so much better. Just talk myself into it. Feels good to talk to yourself. So listen, the next time you start to get discouraged, you just start talking yourself through Psalm 27, 13. And remind yourself, God is good. God's with me. I don't know what God's doing today, but you know what? I trust him. I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to follow him. And I expect some great things from the Lord. So to see the goodness of God, we also have to wait on God. Now, here's the second movement in this text. I will wait on God's goodness. And he says, I am certain, I am certain, if you look in verse 13 again, I am certain there was no doubt in his mind he would see God's goodness. And, and, and so it's coming. Maybe I haven't seen all of it. Maybe it came in a different way than I kind of thought it was coming. But I'm certain that I will see the goodness of the Lord. And he says, what do I have to do? He gives four things here. And I have three of them on your notes, but I give you a bonus one. The first one is, he says, you got to wait. And uh, he says, we got to wait on the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Wait for the Lord. Um, we live in a time that's so fast. I mean, speed is, is amazing. Do you remember just a few years ago, if you wanted to buy a book, you had to go on to maybe like Amazon.com and they had to, you know, you ordered it and then they mailed it to your house and you got it maybe like four or five days later, maybe a week later. Now you can get on a Kindle and you can download a book in 60 seconds. This is great for a preacher that's trying to get a sermon together. I'm like, Lord, it's Friday. I need to hear from you. What's on Amazon Kindle? I need some downloads, Lord. We got apps. Just a few years ago, you had to get on to Google and you had to go onto the website. Who does websites anymore? We have apps. Why, it's faster. It moves expeditiously. We have DVRs. Can I get a witness? If a show starts at 7 o'clock, I'll start watching it at 7.30 so that I can use my DVR and skip through all the commercials and then I finish about the same time it's awesome I hate commercials I got fast forward why do I do that well we, we live in a world that is bent on speed that's why it's hard to wait on God it's hard to wait God I need a breakthrough today Lord I need intervention five minutes ago. And so we kind of lose this art of, of waiting on God. How do I see the goodness of God? I got I to gotta be ready to wait on God. 
See, sometimes we think so, we think so much about what does God want me to do. I want to challenge you today. It's not just about the what, it's also about the when. When does God want you to do it? I think it's a lot easier to figure out the what than it is the when. The when sometimes is harder. We need both. What does God want me to do and when does he want me to do it? We, we got to wait. We got to wait on the Lord. God's timing is always perfect. He's He's never early. He's never late. He's always right on time, but it always feels late. That's the way I always say it. Um, we fall in love many times with a version of our life. Like we think, well, I'm going to be married at this point. I'm going to have children at this stage of my life. I'm going to make this much money by this period in my life. I'm going to retire in here. I'm going to own my house by here. My kids are going to do this by here. And we have goals and we have this version of our life. But then we start living life. And we discover that many of those things that we thought would kind of go this direction didn't always turn out the exact way that we kind of thought that it would. And we, we have to wait on the Lord. God has an amazing plan for your life, but you, you will never experience it if you have the Taekwondo method, the door-kicking method of getting through whatever you need to do. we got to wait on God. So let's wait on Him. He says, secondly, be strong. It literally means to hold on to or to stay fixed to. So to be strong means to stay close to God. I want to be fixed to God. I think about a nail and a board. <clears throat> I want to be nailed. I want to be nailed to the Lord. I want to be fixed. I want to be attached to the Lord. That's what it means to be strong. He says, wait for the Lord and be strong. And being strong means being willing to delay gratification. Uh, I, I want to be married now. I want to have this now. We had a, a, a lady in our church a few years ago who needed a car. She was like, Pastor, pray for me. I need a car. I was like, all right. So we started praying. The church is praying with her. She needs a car. She's riding the bus. And she's like, you know, maybe I should buy a car. I don't have the money to buy a car, but maybe I should just try and buy a car anyway. Maybe I should steal a car. You know, I, I know she had that thought. And, and, you know, it wasn't, but a few weeks later, somebody called the church and they said, Pastor, we want to give our car to somebody in the church. Could, could we do that? I was like, you know, it's really funny that you called today because we have so-and-so and they, they need a car and, and we've been praying about that. So this lady got a car. It was a great car. And I thought, you know, she could have gone out and spent money that she didn't have or she could have just waited for the Lord to open that door. Sometimes we think, well, I need something. I got I to go right now. What if you just relax for just a minute? What if you just prayed about that for a few weeks? What if you just kind of let the Lord work? You know? You don't have to have everything resolved today. Just pray and just kind of see what happens. Just kind of let the, give the Lord some time. Amen? You know? I, I knew that God wanted me to be a pastor when I was 18, but... Nobody wants to hear somebody preach and be a pastor when you're, you know, just graduated high school. You know, 
So when I got to the ripe old age of 31, I became a pastor of the first church that I pastored. I, it's, that was a long wait. When I was at the university, I used to just go, I used to die to preach. You know, I just used to go to our little chapel there at the college late at night when nobody was there, and I would just go in there and I would preach sermons to no one. You know, I would preach to rabbits. I would preach to stray dogs. I would preach to, you know, I'm I'm waiting. I'm waiting for God to give opportunity. And, and some of my friends said, Ryan, you can go preach at the women's prison. And I was like, dang, that sounds like a tough assignment. What do you say at a women's prison? But I was like, nobody else is calling. So I started preaching at the women's prison. It was awesome. That place is like a revival. Are you kidding me? That's like a preacher's dream. The people are so responsive, you know, people are broken, and it was awesome. I mean, wow. It's one of my greatest memories. But I was just waiting for God to. So it's okay to wait. Sometimes in the waiting, God is developing you, God is strengthening you, God is building you, God is preparing you. See, and when you look back over the course of your life, you'll say, hmm. That was the goodness of God. I'm so glad God didn't give me everything that I was praying for at that time because I wasn't ready for that. The goodness of the Lord. So we got to wait. We got to stay fixed. We got to stay strong, he says. But the next thing he says is be courageous. And another translation says take heart. Um, So wait for the Lord. Be strong. And let your heart take courage, the New American Standard uh, says. Um, But but I love that phrase, to take heart. To take heart, or some say, be courageous. Um, It's actually a word in the Hebrew that literally is translated, he will strengthen your heart. So check this out. If I will wait on the Lord and stay fixed to the Lord then God is the one that will strengthen me. Do you see it? If I will wait on the Lord and I will stay fixed to the Lord, which is being strong, then God will strengthen my heart. That's powerful. It's one thing to say strengthen your own heart. It's another thing to say God will strengthen your heart. If you will wait on God, and if you will stay close to God, God will give you strength. That's how we see the goodness of the Lord. Now, he says here in verse 14, um, wait for the Lord, take heart, and be courageous. And that word, take heart, is also a similar phrase that's used in the Gospels by the teachings of Jesus. Now in John 16, 33, Jesus said, um, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace and in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Now why would Jesus, Jesus is about to be crucified, he's about to be arrested, he's about to go to the cross and he's spending these final moments with the disciples. Why would Jesus tell the disciples to take heart? Because people are losing heart. (laughs) 
So the reason that the Bible says take heart is because God knows it's easy to lose heart. It's very easy to lose heart. But if you will wait on God and stay close to God, God will strengthen your heart. And you'll take heart. Another translation of John 16 says cheer up. You know, when you're taking heart, when God's strengthening your heart, you, you'll be more cheery than, than you would be otherwise. And this actually is a command in John 16, 33. I mean, you know, sometimes we think about like the Ten Commandments about commands, but there's a lot of commands in the Bible. And one of the commands of Jesus is to take heart, cheer up. Isn't that good? So see, like you've been commanded by Jesus to not be so grumpy. You've been commanded by Jesus to quit complaining, to quit bickering, to quit whining. Take heart. And if you will take heart, you will see the goodness of God. You'll do it. Cheer up. Cheer up. And finally, he says, keep waiting. Look at that right there. Now, the first thing he said is, wait on the Lord. And then... Well, let's just read it. Psalm 27, 14. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait on the Lord. Now, when I tell my kids, go clean your room, put away the dishes, and go clean your room, what am I saying? I'm saying, you better get that room cleaned. <laughs> like, if you want to really know what somebody wants you to do, listen. And they'll keep saying it over and over and over again until you do it. Okay. That's the word of God. In other words, seeing the goodness of God requires waiting. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and let your heart take courage. Yes, wait for the Lord. So it's wise to wait. Waiting on the Lord, though, does not mean taking a vacation. It doesn't mean that you sit at home and watch television and eat Cheetos, you know? Waiting on the Lord may, is active. Do you know that? Like if you're looking for a job, somebody told me not too long ago, I'm waiting on the Lord. And I was like, well, how many resumes have you put out? And they're like, none. And I was like, you ain't, you ain't waiting on God. <laughs> you aren't doing anything. So waiting on, the God, waiting on God's not a vacation. Waiting on God is activity. Okay? But there's an expectation that's there. And it doesn't mean do nothing. When you're waiting on the Lord, you're pursuing God. You're amping up your prayer life. You're, 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 you're increasing your worship, your spiritual sensitivity. You're trying to really discern, does God want me to go this way or that way? That's what it means to wait on God. So, so let's wait on him. And waiting on the Lord makes us trust God, which builds faith, which is so awesome. Now... Life is a lot like chutes and ladders. There's ladders that can catapult us forward, and there's chutes that can move us downward. And we can go to a downward spiral very easily. How do we deal with the ups and the downs of life? We remember the goodness of God. 
I would have lost heart if I didn't believe in the goodness of God. Would you pray with me?